I feel like the most blessed human being on the planet. To be part of something like this that, that is impacting so many people. Um, you know, the greatest reward in life is to make a difference in someone else's life. That's the greatest reward. And uh, you can't put a price tag on that, amen? And I just said to her, how do I get to be part of this? You know, I, I didn't do anything to deserve this. And it's true for all of us, because it's all of us, if this is your spiritual home and you're invested in wilderness being all that it can be for the, for the kingdom of God, um, we all get to work together, sacrifice together to impact thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Uh, here in the auditorium and then on podcasts around the globe uh, and the thousands who come through our building every month to get various services, we all, working together, stepping up, doing our part, make that happen. It doesn't happen without all of us being there. But the reward is that we get the satisfaction of knowing that we get to make a difference. You know, most people on the planet just survive and, and, and you know, they just make, make ends meet. But we get a chance to sacrifice together and to, uh, it's through our prayer and through our, our time and our money and our talents that this this, this happens and lives are impacted and those lives impact other people and those lives impact other people and the ripple effects go on and on and on. And, and uh, we get to do that. And, and we are a blessed people, amen? We, we're just blessed. So, so happy birthday. Thank you for doing the role you do and happy birthday. It's a, a blessed thing. You know, I, I love those testimonies. Uh, I mean, I get choked up just hearing testimonies like that. Um, but I wish you could hear all the ones that I get to hear. I get out there and I'm able to because it's so humbling. Uh, just last week, we had this Renew conference here, and it was just an anointed conference. It was incredible. Uh, but I talked to three people. They approached me uh, who said that uh, Woodland Hills Church, working with Renew Ministries, saved their faith. Their faith was on the rocks. Things just didn't make sense. They're ready to jettison the thing, but this gave them a new way of framing the faith and, and, and the things to line up and fall into place. And uh, it, it revolutionized their faith. One lady even told me that, that her life was literally saved by this ministry. She was not just contemplating suicide. She had a plan. Uh, she was in a state of despair. And some, someone randomly gave her one of my books. I don't know which one it was. But then she starts podcasting. And the podcast not only saved her life, but transformed her life. And now she's a pastor down in North Carolina doing down there what we do up here. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. And see, that's about all of us. I hope you see that's about all of us. If, if this is your spiritual home, that's about you. We, we together made that happen. And, and, and uh, we're used by God to transform that life and so many other lives. And it's just the most rewarding thing I can possibly imagine. And it's been a great adventure. And it continues to be a great adventure. And uh, let's just keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. Uh, riding out this adventure. Now, we're, we're in this series called Course Corrections. And... Um, so I want to talk about course corrections here, and I, but I also want to talk a little bit about the history of, since this is our spiritual birthday, I want to talk about that. So I'm going to talk about how the Spirit has been at work um, uh, making course corrections in Woodland Hills. And uh, that's why this has been such an interesting, odd, strange, beautiful adventure. Uh, let, me, let me first, though, explain why we're calling this course corrections, right? Um, I am rather uh, directionally challenged. Anyone else like that? Uh, directionally, like... like I don't know how to get from here to there if I've never gotten there from here before, even if I know where there is. Uh, I, I, it's like, I, I don't know what's missing, but I, so I, before we got that incredible smart lady in our phones, Miss GPS, uh, uh, I used to get lost all the time. 
Always getting lost. I don't remember one time driving to Minneapolis and not getting lost. Except driving to Minneapolis meant, oh, I'm, I'm going away to get lost. <laughs> uh, I always would get lost there. Who designed that place? All those one-way streets. Ridiculous. But now I, I, wherever I go, I've got this wonderful lady with a British accent talking to me, giving directions. Because, you know, you can choose what kind of voice you want, American or British. And I just, something about that British accent is just kind of cool. I don't know. Um, I feel like James Bond, you know, with a British gal talking to me. And so now I'll hear, you know, in 0.2 miles, turn right. And then turn left. And I just love it. I just love it. Talk to me more. Talk to me more. It's like, um, and then even if I make a mistake, um, you know, she never gets mad at me. She, I miss an exit or something. She goes, rerouting, uh, turn left. Sometimes I expect her to, like, go rerouting for the ninth time, you moron. What's wrong with you? But she never does that. She never does that. She's a, she's a nice British GPS lady. I thought she was actually a Christian GPS lady, but then I asked her one time, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And she goes, religion is for humans. I work on silicon. So she's not, she's a nice pagan GPS lady. So here's the thing. Um, our lives are a little bit like that. A little bit like driving with the GPS, Miss British GPS. Uh, you can think of Miss British GPS as, as the Holy Spirit. It's just that our job isn't to tell her where we want to go. It's her job to tell us where she wants us to go. And um, as we're going through life, sometimes we'll be heading in this direction. But the Spirit, if we're listening to the Spirit, will say, rerouting. Time for a course correction. Uh, I want you to go in this direction. And it can be to bring our life more in conformity with the kingdom of God. Uh, it can be because God is calling us to step into a new role uh, in, in the body of Christ. But our job is to listen to that Holy Spirit and uh, listen for that rerouting. Uh, time to make a little bit of a course correction. Now, here's the thing. If I'm going in this direction, right, and I just make a two-inch course correction, two inches. Well, now, see, as I walk on, the... The difference it makes increases over time. And if I walk for a mile, it could be the case that I'll end up at a quarter mile different destination than where I was going. And if I go on for 10 miles, it can turn out that I'll, I'll be a mile different destination than where I was going. Uh, this is an important point because sometimes when people think about changing their life, they think they've got to overhaul the whole thing all at once. And, and the pattern of our life, the momentum of our life is such that for most of us, that's not a real option. And so when people think that they have to overhaul their life, they can get discouraged, and they think, well, I, I can't change. I, I'm, and they don't change anything. It's like, I, I can't do that, so, so I'm just going to be the way I am. But see, God doesn't usually call us to make the one-mile course correction all at once. If you're looking down the road, you see that one-mile course correction, you might freak out. I, I can't make that much of a change. But see, God's not calling you to make a mile change. He's calling you to make a two-inch change. And if you make that two-inch change and just keep on walking, the mile will take care of itself. You may not be ready to handle that mile change right now, but in the process of walking there, God will prepare you for that. So when you get there, it will be very natural. So don't think mile change. Think two-inch change. Think baby steps. All right? And, uh, uh, and, and so we want to be focusing on the, 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 the ways in which the Spirit can tweak our life uh, to begin to head in a new direction that will result in significant changes, but at the time, it's just two-inch changes. And, uh, and, 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 and you take it one step at a time, inch by inch. 
So I'm going to talk about, uh, today I want to talk about uh, this concept of call, our calling. Now there's a general sense of calling that we have and there's a particular sense. The general sense is we're all called to look like Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, wherever, whatever your vocation is, whatever your situation in life is, uh, whatever your circumstances, you are called to love like Jesus, serve like Jesus, forgive like Jesus, and all the rest. That applies to every follower of, of Christ. But on top of that, there's a particular call. We are all called to ministry. We all have a role to play in the body of Christ and in furthering the kingdom. And so there's a particular call that God has on our life. And that's what I want to be speaking on here this morning. Uh, when, when you feel that Mrs. British GPS in your heart saying rerouting, how do we respond to that? And, and, and how are we to, to uh, uh, step into that? And since this is the birthday of the church, I'm going to talk about the ways in which the Spirit has led Woodland Hills to reroute, to make a course correction. And I'll draw all principles that apply to all of our callings. All right? That's the agenda here this morning. Uh, I want to start by reading Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. About Father Abraham. Because it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. Trouble is, he didn't know what that place was. He went out not knowing what he was looking for. So here's Abraham. He's happy living in this land of Ur. You are. That's the place he lived. And, and he was born there. had been li living there for 40 years and had a happy camper life. But then the Spirit said, time to reroute. Uh, in this case, it was a major reroute. I want you to leave Ur and start heading out. Um, and I'll give you more information as is necessary. <laughs> but he didn't know where he was going. And if you're traveling someplace and you don't know where the ultimate destination is, um, that's called an adventure. <laughs> and there is a, an adventuresome component to all of God's call. Um, he's calling on you to leave the familiar and start heading towards the unfamiliar. And you don't know ahead of time all that's going to happen as a result. Uh, it, 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 he gives you information as you need it. So I want to entitle this message, The Adventure of the Call. The adventure of the call. I want to do it by talking about the adventure of Woodland Hills Church. So let me start with this. Um, a confession. I never wanted to be a pastor. Didn't, didn't want it. Uh, I am a bookwork, book, bookworm nerd. Um, uh, and, and bookworm nerds become professors, not pastors. If you're a pastor... Uh, I always thought you're supposed to be good at stuff, which I'm not. Uh, you're supposed to be good at, at organizing things and administrating things, right? Uh, and, and good at, at balancing budgets uh, and, and heading up committees and dealing with boards and just loving to hang around with people endlessly. And that's not me. I, I love people, uh, but in limited doses. Uh, I, uh, give me a book uh, and, and, and let me alone for, in a room for 15 hours, and I'm a happy camper. So I, it's like, th that's not me. It was, I, I am supposed to be a professor, not a pastor. Um, I, this just was not at all on my radar screen. The one thing that I have a little bit of competency in and that I love to do is I love to study the Bible and chew on the Bible and dig into the Bible and think about it, and I love to communicate it. Um, and so while I'm over there in Nerdville at, at Bethel University as a theology professor, uh, sometimes churches would call and they'd want someone to serve as an interim pastor uh, just to preach while they were looking for a senior pastor. And I would say, oh, I'd love to preach, so I would do that. And uh, the head of the denomination that owns Bethel, after I'd been doing this for like five years, uh, he calls me up one day. His name's True Lawson, a great guy. Uh, and, and he says, hey, Greg, I'm wondering if you would be interested in... Uh, 
being part of a church plant in Woodbury. I go, no. <laughs> no, because I, 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 if I was going to be a part of a church plant, plaster, I'd have to be good at organizing and balancing budgets and administrating. That's not me. I'm a bookworm, and bookworms are professors, not, not pastors. But Truett doesn't take no for an answer very easily, so he keeps persisting. Calls me up every couple weeks. Hey, what about, what about? And one time he, he had this idea. He goes, okay, here's the deal. What if we, we, we planted this church and your only job was to show up on Sunday and preach and other people would run the church? I thought, no, oh, that sounds like an interesting idea. I could maybe do that. It turns out it's a totally unrealistic idea, but I didn't know that at the time. Uh, and so I, I said, okay, I'll pray about that. I'll pray about that. And sure enough, as I'm praying about this, I start to feel this call. I start, this is energy for it. I could see this happening. I started to get excited about it. We had one more speed bump to get over, however. Um, Shelly had no interest in being a pastor's wife. <laughs> Minor problem here. Uh, see, our background was this Pentecostal, right? And, and from that, Shelly had an idea of a pastor's wife. Uh, it, well, a pastor's wife strongly resembles the... the church lady on Saturday Night Live. Remember her? <laughs> well, isn't that special? Hmm. Could it be sainted? Uh, yeah, so you know, a pastor's wife's supposed to have her bun in her hair and be super holy and play the piano and lay, lead ladies auxiliary and counsel people and all sorts of other stuff. And that's not Shelly, my lovely Biso. That's my nickname for her. Uh, she's not a, she's a public person. She likes to be behind the scenes. She's way more out there now than she was back then. But she's a behind the scenes person. Doesn't like attention drawn to her. So this is an issue, and she's freaked out about the possibility of being a pastor's wife. And so for a while, quite a while actually, we have discussions around this. And, uh, uh, you know, kind of trying to make a deal here. Uh, I, I, you know, we, I try to reassure her that, that, okay, what if we had a church and we just set down the ground rules? That you, there's no expectations on you, uh, no supposeds, you, you only do what you feel called to do, and that's it. And then we had a time where we had to have a discussion like, uh, okay, I, I, I agree that I won't be calling you out from the pulpit. I won't be pointing to you. I won't, you know, people won't even know I'm married, all right? You'll be invisible. <laughs> and so she said, okay, I'll, I'll pray on it. And uh, she never had this aha, eureka, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus moment uh, where all of a sudden she's got this fire for this. But she got to the point where she's still kind of freaked out, but... She was willing to take a chance, and she said, if you really feel called to it, uh, given these stipulations, uh, I will support you in this. And, and so on October 3rd, 1992, uh, we held our first official uh, church service as Wilden Hills. And so the bottom line, folks, is that if it wasn't for the courage of my lovely Biso, Wilden Hills would not exist. Would you give it up for my lovely Biso, Shelley? That's Shelley. That's a butterfly house at the State Fair. And the butterfly's cute, but man, my wife was adorable. So thank you, Shelly, for, for being a part of this. Uh, it's, 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 it's what made it happen. So here's the takeaway on this, folks. Sometimes God calls us to unexpected things. Uh, things that weren't on our radar screen, weren't part of our plan. You find this all throughout the Bible. Abraham, he didn't plan on leaving Ur. That... that, that that, that, that was a God thing. He's living a happy life, and all of a sudden, God comes up and says, Hey, dude, I want you to leave Ur, and, and, and I'll give you more information as you need it. And now he's got to just head out. Paul is going along with his happy Pharisee life, persecuting Christians, and Jesus shows up and literally knocks him off his high horse and says, Dude, you're going to work for me now, and you're going to be a church planner. 
And Peter's over there doing his little fishing gig, you know, fishing guts, wallowing all that stuff that you do as a fisherman. He's happy. Uh, but Jesus comes along and says, dude, now you're going to be following me, and, and let's start fishing for people. And you find throughout the book of Acts, sometimes the disciples are going into a city, but the Spirit shows up and goes rerouting. Not that city, but you go to this city. Uh, God has a way of interrupting our plans, doesn't he? He's not always convenient, and it's often surprising. Uh, we've got to be open to him calling us in ways that we didn't plan. See, our, our, our fallen inclination, let's be honest about this, uh, is to live our life as though our life was our life. And though, so we get to have our plans and uh, carry out our desires, our wishes. That's how we tend to live our life, unless you're intentionally not doing that. But we know in the kingdom that this life is not our life. And our call is not to follow our plans, but to follow his plans. Uh, and not to carry out our wishes, but to do his wishes. Amen? And so, folks, we need to be open to the Spirit interrupting our plans. To say rerouting. To say go in a new direction. And it doesn't have to make sense to us. It doesn't have to, you know, fit into any of, of our agendas. It can be something totally unexpected. But our job is to say yes to that. And see, it's, it's when you say yes to the call to do something that you weren't planning on doing, that wasn't on your radar screen, that's when things start to get interesting. Uh, Christianity is profoundly boring if it's just Jesus add on to your already plans. That's boring. Uh, but it gets interesting when you really are, you have your GPS on, and, and the Spirit interrupts that and says, I want you to turn two inches to the right and, and, and keep, your, keep your GPS on because I might tell you other instructions as you head down the road. That's when it becomes an adventure. Because you're not just doing it on your own plans. It's, it's an adventure. You're not sure where you're going or how it's going to all pan out. But it's an adventure. And that's where the blessings are, folks. You will find that you will be blessed in ways that you never dreamed of if you'll say yes to that call. This, this bookworm geek here, I never dreamed that I would be pastoring this church. Uh, and, and it's had its challenges. Responding to the call always does. But I'm telling you, it has been such a blessing as we're here celebrating our 25th anniversary. I am... I am so blessed that I wouldn't trade the last 25 years for anything. It's just been blessed. It's just been blessed. And Janice, our, our, our executive pastor, um, you know, she's over there working at Rotland Homes as an organizer or whatever she was doing. Uh, and then she never dreamed of being an executive pastor or a pastor of any kind. It was not on a radar screen, but then she gets the call of God. She says yes. And she's had challenges for sure. We've all had challenges. But it's been a wonderful adventure. And I don't think she would trade the last 25 years for anything. And Paul Eddy, uh, he's the third person on our executive team. He's also a bookworm geek who never dreamed about being a pastor. But got a call of God. He says yes to it. And I don't think he would trade the last 25 years uh, for, for anything. And we are the, probably the weirdest executive team of any church on the planet. But in some ways that makes it beautiful because it's so odd. It's so weird that none of us saw this coming. But when you say yes to it, that's when the adventure begins. That's when it starts to get interesting. And that's where the blessings really start. Christianity was meant to be an adventure. The kingdom is meant to be an adventure. Not just a boring Jesus add-on to what we were already going to do anyways. So folks, keep your GPS on. And when you hear that call, step out. And watch what kind of exciting things can, can happen. Now, we were supposed to be a Woodbury church plant. You may have noticed that we're not Woodbury. We love Woodbury. We love Woodbury. God bless all the people of Woodbury. But we, we uh, didn't sense that we were supposed to be there. About six months into this church, um, some of us began to sense that Woodbury was not where we were supposed to be. Uh, the word that I got about six months into this thing was that we were supposed to face the city. 
not necessarily, not necessarily be in the city, but to have a heart for the city and to have a passion for the poor and have a passion for racial reconciliation. Um, and, 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 and that we're supposed to be some kind of a bridge between the suburbs and the city, some, some kind of a bridge. And, and not everyone was on board with this. Some people still felt called to, to Woodbury, and so they went and planted a Woodbury church. But the rest of us just felt like we we're supposed to orbit St. Paul. We didn't know where we are going to end up, but for the first eight years of the church, we just bounced around from school to school, uh, which was a drag, man, setting up and tearing down, but that's what you had to do. And, and we just wanted to orbit that, even though that wasn't part of our original charter. And I don't think the denomination that planted us was particularly happy about this, uh, but they went along with it. Uh, it's, a, it's called Converge, I'm told. Um, and it sounds like more like a rock band than a denomination. But anyways, that wasn't part of their, their charter, but we just orbited St. Paul. So the takeaway from that is this. When you respond to the call of God, you just get a, start to get a stirring in your heart. It's usually not an audible voice from heaven. There's a stirring in your heart. When you respond, don't turn your GPS off. Because it's not like God is going to, he calls you and then says, here's a roadmap for the, how the rest of your life is going to unfold. It doesn't work like that. He says, make that two-inch course correction and, and just keep on walking, like with Abraham. He didn't tell him the whole destination. He says, get out of Ur and start heading in this direction, and you'll find out the rest as, as you proceed down the road. Um, God gives us a flashlight so we can see a foot ahead, but not a, not, not a, a floodlight that we can see 10 miles ahead, which is a good thing because if we could see 10 miles ahead, we'd probably freak out. What, a mild change in my life? I can't handle that. No, but you can handle a two-inch change. And so just keep on stepping and walk with God and keep your GPS on and listen for that voice to say rerouting because it may change again. Keep your, keep your eyes open, keep your ears open to what the, the Holy Spirit is saying. And see, that's how God grows us into a new capacity. When we started Woodland Hills Church, um, we didn't know what the heck we were doing. Uh, we, were, we were totally, when I look back, I'm amazed at the level of ignorance that we had. It was... Uh, it, just, uh, it was amazing. Um, I mean, it's to some, maybe that's kind of an advantage because we didn't start the church with a 10-year plan. Uh, we, we started the church with a, well, we got to do this again next week plan. <laughs> you know? And I'm not trying to make a virtue out of advice, but it does leave you totally open to what the Spirit's going to do. Uh, so I remember the first sermon I ever preached on racial reconciliation at Woodland Hills Church. It was three months into the church, and it was the beginning of a Christmas series. How I transformed a Christmas series into a message on ra racial reconciliation, I don't know. But I remember because a lot of people were asking that question, and it was the first kind of controversy we had at the church. Um, at that, this point, we were about 99.9% .9 white. I think there's one person of color in the congregation, as far as I can remember. And, and, and this message caused quite a stirring. It was a, you call that a Christmas message? Well, here's the thing. When I, was, when, when I started preaching that message, looking back on it, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was signing up for when I said yes to this rerouting to preach on racial reconciliation. Um, I, I thought I did. I had read a book on the topic. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I thought, but see, like most white folks, God bless us, but I didn't know the meaning of being white. I didn't know the significance of what it was to be white. Um, and I, I didn't know about all the kind of walls and obstacles that people of color have to bump into, but that I get to float above because I'm white. And I'd heard the concept of white privilege, but, but I didn't know quite what it was or how it applied to me. All I knew was that I was supposed to preach this. I was supposed to preach this. Not knowing quite where, where, where it would lead us. Um, I did, did the two-inch course correction. And see, ever since, for the last 25 years, 
we white folks here at Woodlands Church have been on a learning curve. Uh, I've been on a tremendous learning curve, and it, it's been challenging. Uh, there's been times where it's been really challenging, but it's also been a wonderful adventure, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's been such a blessing. And let me take a moment out here to say this. For people of color at Wilton Hills Church, I want to thank you for walking with us white folks on this wonderful adventure. Thank you. Thank you for, hey, amen, amen. It, th you know, thank you for, for trusting us. Um, the, we're still 75% white, uh, and it, it, it takes a decision, some courage sometimes to join a congregation that's, that's that way, but you're here. And I want to thank you for, for uh, um, you know, teaching us and, 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 and being patient when some of us white folks don't get it. Thank you. Uh, thank you for bringing your unique culture and making it part of the beautiful tapestry of Woodland Hills culture. Thank you for being part of us, because if you were not here, the us would much, look much, much less beautiful. So thank you. Thank you for that. It's an adventure. We're still on it. We're still learning. Keep your GPS on. The rerouting call can come at any time. Um, you know, the, it's a step-by-step -step sort of thing. And in the kingdom, we rarely know what the next step is, let alone what's 10 miles down the road. Because if we did, we'd freak out. It's a little bit like... It's a little bit like uh, when young folks get married. You know, they say, I do, but they don't have a clue. <laughs> you don't. You don't know what you're signing up for. All you know is that you want to head in a new direction with this person the rest of your life. Oh, it's so wonderful. But you don't know the whole meaning of it when you say, for better or for worse. Uh, <laughs> do you know what that can mean? <laughs> uh, it's good that they don't know what it means because maybe we wouldn't get married. You know? But you learn what it means in the process of walking this thing out, don't you? It's on-the-job training. Marriage, like so much of life, is on-the-job training. And you grow into it. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a process. Um, and, let's be honest, uh, in the process, you sometimes hit speed bumps. Silence. <laughs> Not one amen. Yeah, <laughs> I guess amen. In fact, sometimes, some of us hit brick walls. Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and see, if, but if you hang in there and pick up the pieces... You can find that that's all part of the growing process where you're learning how to love another for better or for worse. And you, you grow in your love and you deepen that love and deep, deepen your commitment. Uh, it, it's all on-the-job training. When, when, when we say yes to the call of God, we're saying yes to on-the-job training. Uh, and we just got to trust that we'll learn as we go along the way. And we hold a flashlight, not, not a floodlight. So don't look down the road too much and try to get it all figured out. Uh, that will freak you out. And it probably won't be accurate anyways. You have to take it moment by moment. I'm convinced that if Woodland Hills, if the leadership of Woodland Hills had thought that we, we got to first figure all this stuff out. I mean, what does it mean to face the city? What does it mean to be a bridge between the city and the suburb? What does it mean to have a heart and passion for the poor? What does it mean to be involved in racial reconciliation? If that was our mindset, we'd still be sitting around talking about it uh, and, and be 99% white and be just doing services week to week and probably would be doing very little, if anything, for the poor. Sometimes you got to just... Stop talking and start walking, right? Amen? Stop talking. That, that, that kind of rings, doesn't it? Stop talking and start walking. You know, you might have to work it out with your spouse. Uh, you know, talk through that a little bit like I did. And you might have to even have other people talk to you to get convinced that this is the direction you're supposed to go like I did. But there comes a point where you just got to shut up. Stop talking and start walking. And he'll give you information as you go along the way. It's been like that for every distinctive thing about Willing Hills. When we got the word about facing the city and, and, you know, having passion for the poor, racial reconciliation, being a bridge, we didn't envision, it was not in our wildest dreams that we'd have what we have now. 
uh, that we have these, these partnering ministries where we're pro- pro- providing food for folks who are hungry and homes for people who are homeless and, and, and jobs for people who don't have employment and have a daycare for disadvantaged families and, and, and be working with a movie. Who, we're running a movie theater for crying out loud. That was not on our radar screen. And we're using it to, to train and, and help at-risk youth. That was not at all on our radar screen. And if we would have tried to imagine that, Back then, we would have freaked out. Like, we can't do that. Why are we supposed to do that? See, you grow into it. We just said yes to this step, and now this step, and this step, and boom, you arrive at this. And when when you arrive at it, then you're you're more ready for it. Uh, And it's all on-the-job training. Um, Don't limit God by what you think you can imagine or can't imagine. Uh, Just step out. Uh, But several years into this church, we began to sense that the Spirit was calling us to reroute a little bit on our theology. And at first it wasn't a conscious thing, but we, we just started getting enamored with this concept of the kingdom of God, which had been a peripheral concept, but now it's like, man, it's, it's taking on life. And, and um, uh, we start talking about it and studying it and then preaching on it, and, and boom, it's a course correction. And it, it was very distinctive here in America. Uh, but when we started off on that course correction, I never dreamed that I would someday be in front of people preaching a gospel where I am just pointing out the radical difference between the kingdom of God and the politics of this world. That wasn't on my radar screen. I never dreamed I'd be preaching a message where that uh, I'm, I'm confronting so much of what goes on here in America. You know, the clearer we got about the kingdom, the clearer we got about how radically it contrasts with so much that's foundational to America, and even so much of what's foundational to the American church. And, and so I never dreamed we'd be preaching this message where we're confronting uh, consumerism and individualism and, and American narcissism and militarism and all, all the rest. It, that was not a radar screen. And I certainly never envisioned that we'd be preaching a message back when we started this course correction in the early 90s, that we'd be preaching a message where we actually are calling upon people to actually obey Jesus when he says, love your enemies and turn the other cheek and bless those who persecute you and, and never retaliate, never resort to violence. And if I had seen that, I might have freaked out. Like, oh, you preach that, you might lose a thousand people. <laughs> you just might. You just might. And it has cost us something, but when it cost us something, we were ready for it because we didn't anticipate it at the beginning. We just took this step and this step and this step, and God prepares you along the way. When we started the church, we didn't have any of this on our radar screen. In fact, when we, this may be hard to believe, but when we started with Hills Church, we were, we were pretty normal. Uh, we were a, a, a fairly normal evangelical American church uh, with a little charismatic <laughs> bend, but uh, we were pretty normal. And I don't know what we are now, but we ain't that. <laughs> it, it's, no, it's, it's, uh, and God bless the, Ameri- the normal American churches, and God uses everybody in different ways. But, but for my two, I, I don't even remember what it was like to be a normal American church. But I'm okay with that because I don't really want to remember because the goal that we're called to shoot for isn't normal. Uh, it, it's not normal American church. We're called to shoot for the kingdom. And if you ask me, the kingdom is a lot more beautiful than normal American. It's, it's a lot more beautiful. It's a lot more exciting. It's a lot more challenging. But it's a lot more fulfilling and a lot more satisfying. And it's an adventure. It's an adventure because you don't plan out everything. You don't plan out everything. And it's cost us something. But, man, the, blessing, the blessings that have come as a result, that, that little course correction, walked out over 25 years. It's been, I would not trade it for the world. One more thing. Um, so for eight years, we're bouncing around, orbiting St. Paul in these schools. But we had a sense that at some point, God's going to want us to plant us some, somewhere, not knowing where that where it was. And we had actually looked at this building um, four year, 
eight years into it, we had look, looked at it at year four. And it was owned by Kmart, and they wanted $7 million for this thing, which is about 30 times more than we could afford. So we, we kind of forgot about it. So we're at this prayer meeting. Uh, all the pastors are praying. We're praying about a lot of things with the church, including, God, where would you want us to, to land? We're actively looking at this point. And Janice, our executive pastor, gets a picture. Some of you have heard this story before, but it's our birthday, so it bears repeating. Um, here, this is one of the strangest things I've ever seen in my life. Maybe the strangest thing. Janice is, I, I love this woman, and she's got more integrity than anyone I've ever met, and she's just wonderful. But she's wired kind of like Spock on the old Star Trek. You remember Leonard Nimoy? Uh, like, mm, that doesn't sound logical. Uh, she is like, she's a walking computer type of, of thing. Uh, uh, very practical, but, but just her brain operates like that. Um, not the kind of person that you think would be getting words and pictures. And on top of that, her only previous church background was in an in anti-charismatic fundamentalist Baptist church. So this anti-charismatic fundamentalist Miss Spock uh, is the last person on the planet you think would be getting charismatic things like words and pictures from God. But as soon as she joins the staff, that's what starts to happen. And no one was more freaked out about it than her. <laughs> in fact, she still gets kind of freaked out about it. Like, what, why is this happening? Uh, but she has to share it. And so it's, it's just been a bizarre sort of thing. So we're in this prayer meeting, and she gets this picture. And the picture is this. Real strange thing. It, it's, uh, she says it's like a target. And there's a bullseye, but there's rings that go out like this. All right? So here's the picture. And there's an arrow, but the arrow doesn't go into the target like arrows are supposed to do. This arrow is lying outside, uh, on the target, and it's pointing to a very specific ring, a very specific spot on this ring. So here, here's the arrow. It's pointing right there. So there's the picture, and we go, what does that mean? And no one has a clue. Like, wow, thanks a lot. That's very edifying. Arrow on picture, arrow on the target. But the word she gets is that we're supposed to pay attention to the direction of the arrow. So we don't know what to do with it. So... That's often the case with stuff that she gets. And so we, what we do is we just say, okay, we'll walk with our eyes open. We'll, we'll have that on our radio screen, and we'll trust that the meaning of this will become clearer as we you know, keep on walking. So two days later, someone leaves this giant map in our office space. We were down at Roseland Avenue, and they left this giant map. I, to this day, I don't know who left that. But the map has got, it's of St. Paul, and, and here's the capital, and it has these rings going out. It, like mile markers. And Janice sees this map, and she says, remember where the arrow was pointing? And so she points her, puts her finger right where the arrow was, and it's this, this building, which happens to be the border between St. Paul and Maplewood. And now we could come to mind, face the city, and, and you're, to be a bridge between the city and the suburb. So we think, oh, we're supposed to look at this building. Let's take another look. So we call up Kmart. And the good news is that it was now $3 million cheaper than it was four years earlier. It's down to $4 million. A mere $4 million pocket change. Yeah. Trouble is, we had a consultant come in and look at our books and look at the economic demographics of Willow Church and told us, you can maybe hope to raise up to 300000 <laughs> So it's still 13 times more expensive than we can afford. But we sense that we're supposed to head in that direction without having a clue as to how we're going to get it. We're supposed to head in this direction, pray in this direction. Um, I, 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 faith doesn't come easy for me. I'm by nature kind of skeptical, especially about words and pictures and stuff. But I believe they're true, but I, you know, don't believe it too easily. But on this thing, I had a fire. It's like, okay, we're, this is supposed to happen. Somehow, some way, it's supposed to happen. And I don't have time to tell you all the miracles that happened to make it happen, but I'll, I'll share this. Uh, 
So the, there's a guy who was the liaison between Kmart and us, uh, the guy who's supposed to be working the deal, and this guy was a jerk of unsurpassable worth. I, I, he, he, was, he was being a butthead about everything. I, 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 he's stubborn as a mule, wouldn't negotiate anything. He didn't want anything to do with us. So we were just praying, God, open up doors, make a way for it to happen. And one day the guy disappears. <laughs> I don't know what happened to him. I, we took care of the problem. <laughs> Not a problem. Uh, I don't know, he just was gone. And the person who took his place was from around here. Uh, it was a Christian who was from around here, knew Woodland Hills Church, loved our ministry. And this guy's excited about all the possibilities. And somehow he convinces Kmart to donate $2 million to us acquiring this building. Uh, that's pretty cool. And it, it, it was to their advantage because they got out of the mortgage for the next seven years. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we got that. Then there's this young lady in our church. And I didn't tell her to do this. And she says the Spirit told her to do it. And I think the Spirit did. She goes to her dad and says, Dad, her dad's kind of wealthy, and says, Dad, uh, God wants you to give half a million dollars to Woodland Hills Church. And the guy does it. <laughs> there you go. And then, yeah, it's, uh, and then the congregation, uh, just God moving in the hearts of, of, of God's people and, and their generosity. We, were, we raised about twice what the consultant said we were able to raise. And so the finances of this building were taken care of in a beautiful, miraculous way. But we still have one more problem, and that's that we need to get four out of five council members to vote for, to rezone this building, to take it off the tax rolls and let it be a church. Um, and the four people were new, and the one guy who was not new to the council uh, had told us he's going to vote against us. So we need all four newbies to vote in our favor, and they don't know us, and we don't know them. But we prayed, and we prayed. And by golly, if at that city council meeting, they, we got all four newbies to, to say yes to this church. And so we are here today. Amen. And the takeaway, the takeaway, folks, is, is, is this. You know, um, uh, when you're saying yes to the call of God, uh, it's so important that we remember that God isn't a hypothesis. God is living. He is real. And God is still in the miracle working business if we'll trust him for that. If we'll just head in that direction, trusting, God can do things that we can't imagine doing. What's impossible for you is not impossible for God. And never forget that we're called to walk by faith, not by sight. And we're called to walk not according to our capacities, but according to his capacities, trusting, as Paul says, that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we ever ask or imagine. Amen? Amen. So don't be dreaming. Don't dream you-sized dreams. You-sized dreams. Be dreaming God-sized dreams. Because it's not about what you can do. It's what God can do through you if you'll just make that two-inch course correction and start walking. Just start walking. You don't need to know how or how this is going to work out or what you have to do with it. Or it can be totally crazy for all you know. But we serve a God who sometimes he did get crucified, remember? He's a crazy God. He does crazy things. But that's why it's an adventure and that's why it's exciting and that's why it's such a blessing. So I want to ask you, is the Spirit maybe calling you somewhere? Uh, is your GPS on, seriously on? Are you willing to let God inconvenience you and interrupt your life? Are you willing to say yes to that two-inch course correction? And maybe some are here and God has been calling you. There's been a stirring of some sort, uh, and, and you've been resisting it because it freaks you out. Uh, you're looking down the road 10 miles and you're saying, I can't do that. Well, maybe you can't, but it's not about you. It's about God, and don't be looking 10 miles down the road. Uh, look two inches, okay? He's calling you to make this course correction here. Focus on that. And, and remember who it is that we're walking with. 
Uh, and, and, you know, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, praise God. And, 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 and you're walking with a God, an adventuresome God. And that is when your life will start to reflect the adventure of the kingdom. The calling, the adventure of the calling. That's when it gets interesting and exciting. Don't limit what God can do based on what little you can do. No, through you, by saying yes, you can do great things. And he works you in with the body as a whole that's saying yes. And that's how a body, a body of people together go on a, a wonderful adventure and experience the blessings of that adventure. And as a church, I'll close with this. As a church, uh, our commitment's got to be, it's got to be, that we're never going to coast. There's no coasting in the kingdom. Uh, you can't even coast on yesterday's instructions. It's about, he might reroute some things today. Uh, do we have our GPS on as a, as a church body? Um, uh, our commitment's got to be that we're never going to let us stop being an adventure. We're never going to stop taking risks. Uh, we're never going to try to just be normal and play it safe. Uh, our, our commitment's got to be that we want to be all that we can be. And here's the thing. I thank God. We, we praise God and give God all the glory for everything that's happened up to this point. It's been a wonderful 25 years. Uh, and, and so many lives have been impacted. And we give God all the glory for that. But that's not what excites us. Uh, thank God for that. But what excites us is about the future. And faith is always about the future. You don't need faith for something that's already happened. Faith is always about the future. And our conviction is that there are greater things that lie ahead of us than, that, than that lie behind us. And we want to head into that adventure. We want to be listening to the Spirit and making course corrections and doing new things and letting new ideas pop into our brain and going in new, new directions because that's where the fun is, that's where the kingdom is, that's where the adventure is, and that's where the Spirit is, praise God. And that's what we want as a people. Can our commitment be that we will, with, we will pursue the kingdom? Jesus, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, individually and as a whole. Can we make it our commitment to, be, to pursue the kingdom with every ounce of passion that is within us, offering us, knowing that's not our life, it's his life, offering up everything that we've got for the furthering of the cause, and then buckle your seatbelts, because, folks, uh, the adventure continues. And uh, 25 years from now, who knows what we're going to be saying. We'll probably be looking back at this 25 years and saying, we were so ignorant back then, we had no idea. And that will mean that we've been on the right track, because the right track is God's track, and we don't know where it's going. So hallelujah, it's an adventure. Stand up. I encourage you to stick around and uh, um, uh, be hospitable. Meet some people you didn't know. Welcome people to the church, right? Kingdom hospitality. Eat some food out there and, 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 and fellowship. Pick up one of these t-shirts. Uh, these t-shirts, by the way, uh, we had them made in Haiti. <laughs> we imported them from Haiti because we love Haiti. And uh, it's a good thing to do. So uh, pick up one of those shirts. As we leave here, can we do it as a kingdom people? who are listening to the Spirit and are ready to respond to the Spirit and are willing to take on an adventure, take a little risk, step out in an area we don't know, uh, going like Abraham did in a direction that who knows where it's going to end up, but we do know it will be blessed and it will be worth it. Whatever it costs, it will be worth it. It has been so far and it's going to continue to be. If that's your commitment, say amen and go love on people. Amen. Happy birthday.